0: the Air Force One, the shoe that predates the shoe that started it all? This week on Fire Footwear. What's up, sneaker fam? Welcome back to Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast hosted by me, Matty Ice. I hope that this finds you well, and I just want to thank everybody for supporting the show over the last few weeks. Last week was a little bit of a deviation from what we had done previously, or what I guess I'm used to doing previously. Normally, my content is very genuine, off the cuff, conversational. That's the way I like to keep it, because I want you, the listener, to feel like, hey, I'm talking with this guy in his own room. We're just kind of chilling out, talking sneakers. That's the way I like to keep it. My creative juices though, sometimes need a little bit of a change because I'm always looking to update what I'm doing, find some new avenues to feel creative or be creative. And I use this podcast as a way to sort of practice some of those methods. Last week, I read to you or narrated to you a brief history of the Air Jordan 1. And again, I said it was in no way complete. There are certainly a lot of details that I probably don't have correct or didn't have included. They weren't omitted on purpose. They were just omitted because quite frankly, I don't have a team of researchers or the time to be researching it quite the way that some of these websites do, or some of these sneaker historians or old heads may have the time to do. And when I was talking about the shoe itself, which was the Air Jordan 1, everybody's familiar with it. At this point, the stories about it are legend. They're part of Nike lore. And we did talk about that a little bit, but in doing so, I talked about how the design of the Jordan 1 really wasn't that innovative and really wasn't that creative. It was really meant to just tweak what was already existing and that was the air force one the air force one was designed by bruce kilgar as i said last week and it predates the jordan one by two years debuting in 1982 it was really nike's first attempt at making a real basketball shoe it was also the first basketball shoe one to be a high top it was a high top only when it came out looked very much like a boot And while it sort of mimicked a little bit of the converse look that we had had previously with the Chuck Taylors and so forth, it had a much chunkier look and was definitely meant to sustain the wear and tear of playing basketball at a professional level. Not just a professional level, but all over the place. Obviously it was marketed as a basketball shoe. It was also the first Nike shoe to have the Nike Air technology that is now basically synonymous with just about every Nike shoe in a performance sense that we know today. Nike Air became something of a staple within the athletic performance footwear community, and obviously retroing old shoes like the Air Force Ones, any type of retro Jordans are going to have that Nike Air technology. It's just really part of the nostalgia. The thing that's crazy is that it was really big in the early 1980s when it debuted, especially in the NBA. It was all white with a little bit of gray on it. And that met the form factor that was needed by the NBA for the shoe being at least 51% white. It was a very iconic look, a classic look, but it was a very plain look. In the retail space, starting in 1983, they started doing more colors and there were more NBA colors that were associated to it which is interesting because that's very akin to the Be True to Your School Nike Dunk series that they came out with trying to market it to colleges and sort of that heightened enthusiasm over the university or the collegiate teams that you rooted for. And with the Nike Air Force One, they kind of did that with NBA franchises and trying to add a little bit of pop and color to them. The history behind the Air Force One is so interesting because of the fact that unlike the Jordan One, it's mostly mysterious. And the reason that it is mysterious is because there's a lot of, I guess, uncomfortable truths behind how the Air Force One became so popular and sustained its popularity that people don't want to talk about or don't want to acknowledge. The Air Force One, when it came out, was really a dud. In the industry, we call it a brick or something like that. And it really did not have the kind of huge awakening that I think they were anticipating for it. Really, if you think about it, being so early on in the journey of creating basketball shoes from a technological perspective, could you really have expected the Air Force One to be anything other than what it was? It was great when it came out, but the enthusiasm for it, at least from players, kind of petered out. And then the Air Jordan comes along, looks like an Air Force One, acts like an Air Force One, But basically takes it to a whole nother level oh and by the way is associated with an emerging star in michael jordan who of course became the greatest of all time maybe that's a debate for another show but i'm here to tell you that michael jordan is the goat today though the air force one specifically the white air force one is still nike's second highest selling shoe of all time and that's where the evolution of the air force one came in is that the low top all white is really what people find synonymous with Air Force Ones. There are a lot of people who wore Air Force Ones ever since the beginning, those high top with the straps, the mid top, people do recognize those. But the low top, white, all leather Air Force Ones are really the pinnacle of Air Force Ones. It's something that every sneakerhead, myself included, would tell you, you have to have a pair of those in the collection. I have to admit, I don't. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that all white shoes do not look good on me. And I think it would feel like a forced entry into the market if I tried to do it. But a lot of people do have them. A lot of people double up, triple up on them because they're very easy to crease. You can beat them up very, very easily, but you always wanna have that crisp pair with you. And where did that come from? Interestingly enough, the Air Force One became very big in inner city urban areas, especially on the East Coast. If someone were to ask you, what is the city that most represents Air Force Ones or for whom Air Force One is the representative of sneaker culture, it would be Baltimore or Charm City. And it just, it still is today. Whenever we make historical documentaries about gangster living or gang living or drug violence or anything like that centered around the city of Baltimore and I think about The Wire, you see a lot of Air Force Ones and a lot of white Air Force Ones. The uncomfortable truth around the history of the Air Force One is that drug dealers and hustlers were really the main influencers of the shoe, specifically the low-top all-white shoe. Now, not many people know when the all-white Air Force One actually debuted. There are a lot of differing opinions and differing facts as to whether it was 1987 or maybe 1991. All we do know is that some somewhere in the late 80s and early 90s, we saw an influx of white Air Force Ones, not just the all-white ones, white with the gum soles, white with a little bit of a pop of color, maybe the outsole was a little colored, the swoosh was a little colored, and we saw it begin to pick up steam. And why did it pick up steam? Well, because these drug dealers and hustlers who had a lot of money going around, and at $80 a pop, especially at that time frame, late 80s, early 90s, that was a lot of money to be spending on sneakers. We scoff at that today when your Air Jordan 1 costs you $180 to $200, but $80 back then was a lot of money. So in those inner city areas, you weren't going to see a lot of people who could barely make ends meet and were probably working paycheck to paycheck with a lot of crisp Air Force Ones. They were getting their hands on whatever they could get. And it was really for function only. Drug dealers and hustlers had a lot more money at their disposal because there's a lot of money floating around drug trafficking and drug trade. Whatever you want to say about its legality and its morality, there's money to be made there. And those folks had a lot of money and crisp Air Force Ones became a staple of that community. It's interesting because the Air Force One, specifically that low-top white Air Force One, kind of became known and had its legend stamped forever because of inner-city Black people. Black people loved this shoe, gravitated toward this shoe, and are the reason why it actually became so popular. Why is that interesting? Well, really, the narrative around the Air Force One has almost been gentrified today. And you might think, well, how can you gentrify a narrative? I thought we could only gentrify neighborhoods. It's gentrified because today the white Air Force One is seen as a shoe that sort of crosses all barriers and boundaries. It's not just for black people. It's for white people and everybody. It's just a staple and a shoe that everybody can wear and everybody can own because of its accessibility and now affordability today. But it wasn't always the case. And Nike itself does not relate to any of the history related to drugs and hustling, honestly. But that's the reason why it existed. The other thing that really heightened its popularity was its use in hip hop and rap. And you saw so many rappers from jay-z to nelly to young yeezy all these different people not only calling out air force ones in their songs showing it in the music videos wearing them on the red carpet to the grammys really making it a staple piece in hip-hop culture to the point that they were getting their own custom air force ones and you saw air force ones customized and being sent to these inner city boutiques and stores and stuff like that this was the color of the month type thing So many things were happening at that time period. And I think that that's all fascinating to me because right now what we see is that sneakers are a huge part of culture and just popular culture, music, movies, television. I mean, you see actors, actresses, sports figures, musicians, artists, you name it. They're all wearing sneakers of some type. Jordans are so big now. And why is that? Well, maybe because the Air Force One made it cool to be out there like that. And it started within hip hop culture. I mean, some of these names that I'm throwing out there, they're big names in music history. Jay-Z isn't just a legendary rapper, he's a legendary artist. He's one of the highest selling artists in history. And that means something, especially when he is somebody, a former hustler, by the way, who is now wearing these shoes on the regular. And it's just fascinating to me because nowadays we can't seem to get anything, but the white Air Force One still seems to be something that is accessible. Nike is still making so much of it. And certainly they have benefited from the narrative that has been surrounding the Air Force One for many, many years. I mean, to the fact that if you think about how many sneakers have been unveiled, how many sneakers have come out, and yet the white Air Force One is still the second most highest selling sneaker of all time. Not to mention the fact that Air Force Ones had a downturn. Because of how poorly they started, Nike discontinued them. And it's fascinating because we talk about exclusivity today. And I think I did an episode a few, be- few episodes ago or even before I brought the show back about are sneakers truly exclusive anymore? Because we see so many colorways of all these silhouettes and yet people seem to be able to buy them whenever they want to or they always sell out. There is no exclusivity. We talk about that when it comes to certain shoes. Oh, they're only printing 500,000 of these or whatever the numbers may be. And we think of that as exclusive. Nike isn't discontinuing anything. They discontinued the silhouette altogether and people were buying them in droves because they thought that they weren't going to be able to get them. That actually made it to where they're like, maybe we should bring these back. And even after a low period of being out, they came back, they've stood the test of time, they've endured. And even in 2022, Nike is trying to give it its day once again. They're trying to make the Air Force One popular by giving it the design elements that it always should have had, not just in simplicity. But even Billie Eilish is designing Air Force Ones. Other artists are designing Air Force Ones. You're seeing so many of them drop every single weekend now, it's getting to the point of being like Jordans. And yet still, somehow, the hype train never gets behind Air Force Ones. You never see people hyped over an Air Force One. Even in the replica market today, there's not a lot of Air Force Ones except maybe the original Travis Scotts, the white and the sail, not the ones that he came out with later that are the fossils. But yet Air Force Ones are so versatile, you can really wear them anywhere depending on your aesthetic, your body type, all that kind of stuff, they actually may go harder than any other Jordans that you can buy on the market. I have a pair of custom Air Force Ones that my wife made me. I don't wear them too often, not because I don't like them, but because I wanna keep them safe and sacred because she designed them for me. They have my initials on them. I love them. They're so comfortable. But yet if I try to wear white Air Force Ones, it looks like I'm wearing clown shoes. And that just is my aesthetic personally. But there are so many people out there and you might be listening now and you are an Air Force One head. My friend Cleveland loves Air Force Ones. That's his jam because he remembers when they were discontinued and you couldn't get them. They were scarce, actually scarce. Not just, oh, I have to wait for the resale market. They were actually scarce. And some of the best Air Force Ones that have been designed recently have been designed with a great story behind it, which goes back to my episode about sneakers with stories that I did. I think it was on Drip, Trip & Spill, my other podcast. Amazing. Whenever there's a great story behind a sneaker, to me, if it looks great and it has that story to go with it, it just makes it all that much better. The Colin Kaepernick Air Force ones that I tried for, couldn't get. The price is still relatively reasonable, but I love it because Cap was in that time period where he was still trying to get back in the league. He was a talking point for social justice. And here Nike comes in, makes that great commercial, gives them his own sneaker, and I actually saw a pair of those out in the wild recently. It's amazing. Cause I always talk about how you never really see these shoes in the wild. That's a shoe that would be so difficult to find because it doesn't look like anything we've ever seen really or it looks like a lot of things we've seen. And it just was amazing. I was like, wow, that's Kaepernick's. The other ones that come to mind are when Ama Maniere, who are now known for their Jordan collaborations did two Air Force Ones that were just amazing. The low top and the high top. And again, as we've come to know with Ama Maniere, the materials were excellent the release of them was excellent having to go to the store to actually get them i wanted the low top so bad and yeah maybe they do kind of look like old man shoes they almost look like those all black which by the way are the exact antithesis of the all whites nearly widely pan almost seen as comical to buy black air force ones nobody ever does that and i never would just so you, just to be clear and the Al Maniere ones kind of had an old man-ish look with darker colors slate black But man, they just the attention to detail that they put into those shoes and all their shoes is amazing. The Air Force One predates the Jordan One. And I know that last week I said that the Jordan One was the sneaker that started it all. But I did say that in quotes because there have been shoes beforehand that have helped to shape the market that it is today. And so if we're going back and looking at the shoe that maybe is the one in which it changed the trajectory of sneakers as we know it, the Air Force One laid the groundwork for that and planted the seeds by again, being really the first attempt almost at an Air Force One. It was Bruce Kilgore's first attempt at a basketball shoe. And while it didn't hit it off the ground right away, clearly the legacy has lasted over time. What are some of your favorite Air Force Ones? Maybe you own a bunch. Are you an Air Force One person or not? I would love to know. Hit me up on Instagram, firefootwearpod is the handle. Hit me up on Twitter at Matty Ice is the handle there. Before I get you out of here, wherever you are listening, if it's on Apple or Spotify, please subscribe, please rate, whatever is applicable. Those things help the channel to grow. We hit the Apple podcast charts last week and it was amazing. And it was because people actually hit that follow and subscribe button on Apple. Please continue to do that and leave some ratings. Visit MattySmedia.com to find the other podcasts, sneaker related or not, that are a part of our network. It means a lot to me. It really does. And the support that you have lent to this show has meant a ton to me. And I can't thank you enough. I hope that this finds you well, and I hope that you have a good rest of your week. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guest, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.